Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. This show is brought to you by Flatiron's Tuning, your source for any aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts. Be sure to check out our store at flatironstuning.com and stay tuned with Flatiron's Tuning. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. We're, we're back here in 2022. Um, I had to go back and look just to make sure I got this right. This is episode officially episode number 58 of the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. Got Scotty in the shop and Dussex and Toss are both joining us. Toss was actually in the shop, but we, we've got him kind of segregated out front. So the, the topic for this one is something that we've kind of talked about uh, or bounced around as an idea for a while, and we're finally going to address it, which is we kind of call it the $50,000 challenge. If you had $50,000 and that was your budget to get a car, to modify the car, and then race in a series for a year, what would you get? What would you do? Which series would you run in? How would you, how would you use those funds? So that it's is not the, possible. That's what we're going to go around and, and talk about possible. today. It's not possible. Come on. I, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny. We, 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 we bounced this around for a while. And then just today, as we were about to get started here, realized, man, that's a, that is a huge chunk of money to even like have as the framework for this discussion. And like putting it into that context is like, well, wait a minute. I mean, who's got fifty thousand dollars to just to to sit there and go out and go racing? But okay. you know, breaking it down, like you think about, it, it's like, well, I mean, if you're getting a car, I mean that that is an investment in and of itself. And and part of the, where we came up with this this budget is to kind of at least give you enough wiggle room so that if you wanted to get something new, like some like nothing crazy, like this is not nine eleven turbo or or gt3 cup car money but like something you you had some ability to get a new car if that's what you wanted to do and then give you some budget to to modify the car if that's what you wanted to do so it's like thinking about it in that context and realizing like hey that is actually kind of what like even if it takes you a couple of years to to put it all together that might actually still be where you end up to to go out there and go compete it's it's that was kind of an an eye-opener i think there are like a couple things real quick that are worth like just setting out there before we even start. Yeah. One is that like every single person on this podcast right now, none of us have ever had a $50,000 chunk ever in our, well, I mean, Ryan, you sold your house and went whole ham on being a professional race car driver, but, but for the most part, you know, that, that chunk wasn't for a race car, right? So none of us have ever had a $50,000 chunk where we went, okay, we're going to go about this and go start this thing. We've all, anything that we've accomplished so far, we piecemealed together over years and time and a lot of, a lot of elbow grease went into it to kind of stretch the dollars that we did have. So I think that's important to start out first that we are literally all examples right now that yes, it's totally possible. Um, the other thing I think we need to set out like right at the beginning here is that uh, like there's a big difference between participating at an amateur level and then winning, and especially winning at a professional level too, right? So oh, yeah. if you want to, if you want to go join IMSA or something like that, and go race in a you know a GT class or something like that, no way, right? And even just fifty grand is your budget per race for so tires, maybe, or maybe not even, yeah, that. yeah, right. So so there's there's a big scale going on here. Now I I would say that you know we've all competed successfully at an amateur level on a really tight budget, and so we're examples of how how possible this is. And that's what I'm hoping we'll talk about here today is, is kind of, you know, don't let these big numbers scare you. Um, it's, it's very possible to do. Sure. So, well, but this is, this is a, a hypothetical. Yeah. Hypothetically, we all have right. $50,000, which we don't. Hypothetically, right. you could go out and buy a car and then convert it into a race car and still have enough money to compete for a whole season. And hypothetically, I think that's, I mean, I guess it really depends on what class you want to, to compete in, right? So you could go out and buy, say, a used BRZ, and then spend the rest of that money with uh, tires and brakes and then entry fees and then just race local NASA time trial. So you don't need a cage, you don't need a fuel cell, you don't need, you know, uh, hell, you don't even need safety gear, gear at that point. Sure, that could be right. done. But if you wanted to 
if you had to cage the car, if you had to put all your safety equipment, um, both for the car and yourself and still compete. I mean, I think it would be, you'd, you'd be stretching that budget quite a bit. All right. Who remembers the last thing that they said? <laughs> I was talking about the, the, the BRZ. The, one of the other things was, I was like, if you wanted to compete in, in, uh, local nasa time trials you could just go out and buy a, a used audi mm -hmm. rs3 and go run it but i started looking and the used Way the cheapest than. the cheapest rs3 i could find is still like fifty three thousand dollars so Dang. there goes the whole budget well so let's yeah. let's not skip ahead too far so let's let's maybe start and go around and say okay what car would you get? Let's let's start there because the, the car that you get and the, the series that you're going to compete in, those are the two biggest factors of thing to, to where the budget is going to go. So 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 Dussex, if you if you're going to get one of these cars, what are you going to get? And so I did my research and tried to keep my uh, price down, and I took like fuel economy into consideration, and of course like looked at a car that would hopefully be competitive in a race series that I wanted to race in. And so if I'm looking at like an early, like 2013, 2015 FRS BRZ, which I found to be priced anywhere, like over a hundred thousand miles priced anywhere from uh, like 8,000 to $12,000. So I just put mine at 10 K for that for a 2013 FRS basically. Okay. All right. Possibly. And then what, Wait, okay. wait, hold on. And okay. what series would that be competing in? Um, so, uh, Club Track Rat with Grid Life. Okay. So, Club Track Rat is like, obviously, you're going to have some high horsepower cars, like up upwards of like 250 horsepower, wheel horsepower Civics and set to compete against. But I think there's um, a lot of advantages in the chassis. And if you're going to put money into it, I think it's a good one to start with. And I think that's... I think out of all the series you can compete in and what's allowed, I think that's the one that's probably has the most room to stretch your legs, you know? So. Well, and, and there's, there's starting to be a growing number of classes built around the BRZ and FRS chassis. So you've, you've got some options there. Some, and some future proofing in, in that chassis, too, you know? Yep. All right, Tasso, what car would you get? Um, so I'm going to build for – and this is with, you know, my own car is somewhere between a rally car and a hill climb car and it kind of specializes in one. But if you stick to the naturally aspirated classes, um, there's a lot more crossover. So I'm going to build a car for either um, whatever open light is called these days, a naturally aspirated four wheel drive rally car okay. or a naturally aspirated four wheel drive hill climb car. Um, and I'm going to get either. And this will depend, um, you know, either like a early GD an A car um, or a, a GC Subaru as well. And, you know, get it with a salvage title. I'll get a, a wrecked 2002 NA Impreza base model Impreza with a salvage title. So, so what paying. kind of, what kind of prices did you find those available at? Because I feel like this is an interesting climate and I wanted to make sure like that I didn't just like, Oh, I'm can get a salvage title BRZ for like $4,000. You know, like put an LS swap in it, and those are like eight hundred bucks. When really you can't find those cars, and LS swaps these days are insane because of the market. You know, because everybody's. I, doing I think it. you see them under four digits with with significant frame or body damage, and I'm okay with that. So there are, there are shells out there, especially if you go older, like into the, yeah. the mid '90s and I mean the one GC. There were other factors, but the last bug eye shell I got was free, right? So, um, but for you know other factors, sure. And there's there's other costs associated, but but so right, you know, I'll I'll give a thousand dollars to find something with hopefully the subframes and maybe a serviceable motor. Five speed is fine. R one sixty, you know, my suspension plane is pretty cheap, just STI coilovers. So that's why I kind of uh, leaned more for the early GD than the GC. Um, it's just for the ease of install of some of those parts. Sure. So, all right, Scotty, what, which uh, direction are you thinking? 
I mean, I'm kind of with Ryan as as uh, as far as going with uh, just like the BRZ FRS style platform. Um, and I mean to to keep it as as cheap as possible, probably just running in uh, you know like a, a NASA time trial series, um, like TT four, TT five. Yeah, some something right around there where. I mean, again, you wouldn't have to spend a whole bunch of money on on the, the safety equipment, um, and you should be able to use that budget to to get to all the events for entry fees. Um, I think that's the yeah. best way to go. And, and so the direction I was leaning is, is similar to Tasso is a two-liter WRX sedan or wagon. I'm partial to the wagons, but I would take a sedan if I had to. But I would be looking for one with a blown engine. And because I know that it's all coming out and I'm gonna basically redo the, the drivetrain, the engine and everything like that, but to compete in, in NASA time trials. And I thought about wheel to wheel, but the, the consumables cost in wheel to wheel potentially is much higher. And so that's where like time trials for, for all the reasons that we've talked about is a, is a lot more attainable, even with what seems like a pretty modest budget that we, that we kind of gave ourselves the framework to work within. Um, and then like with, with NASA time trials, it's power to weight. And so you, you've got, you've got a little bit more control of, of where your car is going to land in the competition that you're going to be up against within reason versus some of these other classes like in global and grid life where it's not really based on power to weight as much. If there's like certain mods or tire choice that puts you in different classes and then all of a sudden, like you have to make, you know, five, 600 horsepower to be competitive in, in a lot of these classes because just the rule sets are different. And like getting, getting to that kind of power level and being, um, you know, competitive and, and reliable is a lot trickier. Right now, I, th I think ahead. some of the things that and, and granted, after doing the budget, you see that there's there is considerably more room, but like I love seat time. So that's where I'd be filling in the rest of the money and stuff. Sure. Um, but when you look at I try and avoid things that require like high safety barriers, you know, where you have to have a roll cage, have to have fire suppression, have to have. I mean, just I mean, health market is insane right now. I mean, here like Brian's basic six point cages are costing six grand right now and then you get into a rally cage and i mean it's almost like worth doing it yourself but i mean i know that there's personally limitations and probably for our listeners too i mean oh yeah installing coilovers is one thing but walden like an fia approved roll cage and your salvage title gc yeah you know, i mean that's going to be the that and a tow vehicle and trailer are going to be the big hits in my budget um so i've accounted for those and i see you know it's even we're making a lot of kind of uh, assumptions and, and allowances just for the purposes of this conversation, right? It's, I mean, we touched on it with the time trial stuff, but even on the dirt side, right? You could go race SCCA Rallycross right now in whatever car you have and spend $0. Yeah. You could borrow a, a DOT approved helmet and go pay $80 and go go race SCCA Rallycross right now. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I set the goal for my budget to be uh, full speed, all the gears are legal, safety intensive kind of race car. So, nice. um, you know, something where you can touch shoulders with chem block, um, right. you know, that kind of thing. So, well, and, and man, it's, it's the, the type of racing that you want to do. I mean, this, it's a really big factor, just like, you know, how, how modified does the car have to be to get competitive? Like the kind of racing that you want to do, how much travel is going to be involved? Because that's, I think, you know, when you start to get into trying to put together a series, you're not trying to go to an event, you're trying to put together a series of events. So like travel time, towing, uh, all, all those things become these kind of like hidden or forgotten expenses that add up really quick. You know, oh, yeah. we were, we're talking to Nigel before we started here and, you know, he went out and did grid life for a season, but he was using a V8 gasoline powered vehicle to do his towing. And what he ended up having to spend on fuel shocked all of us. Like it was, it was way more than entry fees. It was, you know, 
a couple thousand dollars in fuel to go out and back to a long, like a, a, a distant event. It's like, wow, like that's, that is, uh, that's something like if you didn't even think about it, you just get on the road, you start driving, you're like, wait a minute, how much yeah. money am I spending on fuel? And you get halfway out there, like, wait a minute, what, what am my I thoughts, doing here? My thoughts here too for my budget were included, like go to Walmart, buy a tent, buy a Coleman camp stove, uh, you know, <laughs> right. stuff like that. So, well, like, and like hill climbs that, that's you, you basically pit in, in camp in your pits. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's just kind of the way a lot of people do it. Most people. Yeah, which sounds like a joke, right, for the purposes of the budget. But for most of our races, we camp in our pit space. So, well, and I'm sure, yeah, I'm like, I sleep in the truck or the trailer, yeah, regardless. So, if I mean, if it was a, a, t- a tent and a sleeping bag, that would work just fine, also. Yeah, enclosed trailers make good tents. Right. Yeah, I can't afford an enclosed trailer though. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's you know, as you get into motorsports, I mean, that's these are all these are all like little pieces to the puzzle that you have to to consider and have to think about, especially as you if you're yeah. really going to try and put together a string of events. I mean, there's just there's so much involved there. That's usually a barrier cost to run national rally, right? It's usually oh, yeah. not car prep or safety gear. Eventually, once you get it right, it's it's the cost of travel to New York and then Washington and then back to Missouri and then back to Oregon and then maybe stop by Colorado. And, and so it's, yeah. you know, but that's I mean, in real life, like outside of the conversation, that's why I do the hill climbs that I do. One of the main reasons is because they're all within a three hour drive or something like that of my house. I mean, looking for something local or, or what is available local. I mean, that's, if, if you don't want to, if you don't want to be gone for significant amounts of time, like, like even just from a vacation standpoint, like, okay, I want to go out and I want to run in a season in a year. But if you've got like one or two days travel on either side of the event, all of a sudden it's like, well, I go to one event. That's like four vacation days. Yeah. Just yeah. got to one event. How, how much vacation do you have? Like what is, yeah. how feasible is that? Even? Yeah. The, so you know, we so should so factor into this, the cost of moving to Colorado. So. The, the motorsports center of, of the United yeah. States. Yes. Yeah. Motorsports hub of the, the Northern continent. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and like we, we take kind of take for granted how much, how many opportunities there are in Colorado for grassroots motorsports, but like for this conversation, it, it's definitely relevant. Yeah. So, so Tasso, what, are, what are entry fees for, let's just say hill climb. What are entry fees for the season? Uh, they vary on the race and kind of how big of a race it is, but uh, per events, usually like 180 to 250, and there's usually about five events. So, um, call it 1250, something okay. like that. For, for and that's a high end estimation sure. for entry fees for a season of racing the hill climbs. So, and like with NASA, um, if you did all the local events, um, and, and that includes like crossovers, if you go out to Nebraska or Utah or something like that. You're looking at about, I mean, between thirty six hundred to four thousand dollars just in entry fees. Wow, and that's for eight events, right? Eight, eight to ten events, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so so I mean, it's definitely something got to factor in. Is your, yeah, you're going to so, start putting together a season. You know, I mean, so out of fifty thousand dollars, you, you know, on, on the the time trial side, you're already like, you know. $3,500, in. Yeah. Okay. That still leaves $41,000. <laughs> it's yeah. Right. Uh, it seems like a lot of money, but it's not when it comes down to like, man, the consumables, you know? Oh, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, you start talking about, well, you can't necessarily just drive your hill climb car, rally car to all the events. Um, I, even, I even have what you should buy for a tow vehicle ready. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, you, you, you want to talk about it? You want me to take yeah. you, take you through? Uh, yeah. Like, well, I'm give you, like even Here's even like a plan time wise, so you don't have to have it all at once. All right. And um, so by by a year from now, you'll be racing hill climbs if you want to. Perfect. Um, <laughs> all right. So go buy a salvage or a no title wrecked NA. Um, you know, like a, a bug eye, something like that, right? Yeah. Um, 
hopefully it runs still. Maybe it got like enough rear end damage that the insurance decided to total it or something like that. Something that's not important. Or even if it rolled and the damage is mostly cosmetic, but not structural. Hell yeah. Grab that thing. Um, start racing SCCA Rallycross right now in it. I mean, maybe you can't tow it because it's salvage title and that makes you uncomfortable or something like that. Fine. Go buy a half ton Chevy pickup from, uh, you know, like the late 90s, early 2000s and like a 16 foot open trailer with nothing on it. Right. So you're in, we'll estimate high. So you get a reliable tow vehicle you don't have to worry about and call it 10 grand for both of those things. Yeah, sure. And so say we estimate high on the vehicle as well, $2,000. So you're in 12 grand right there. And you're now racing. It's worth it to spend the money to get a comfortable helmet. So spend $500 on a helmet and you're going to use it for the rest of your time here as well. Right. So you're in 12 or uh, $12,500, but you're racing right now in a vehicle. that is not your daily and you're setting yourself up for success in the future. Right. Um, the big expense is going to be caging it, especially if you can't weld on your own. If you can weld on your own, sure, you still have to, you know, materials cost and the consumables for doing that. So, you know, give yourself $1,000. Yeah, give yourself $1,000 just in materials to make your cage. But we'll say you can't do that. And we'll even go big. We'll do eight grand for an FIA cage, which is a lot. I know the market is different. I paid $2,500 for my cage because I decided, even though I can weld, that a safety thing. I wanted someone who really knew what they were doing because I'm not going to joke around with safety, right? So um, you have a lot of stripping in your car. Do all that work yourself because um, uh, there's a lot of that that not only makes the car faster, but also will set up, you know, your cage builder, you give them a car with the interior already stripped out of it, they're going to charge you less because they don't have to take all your dumb interior pieces out too, right? Yeah. Um, you got to go buy some seats. Uh, so I think I'm at like 20,000 right now and I'm yeah. in a caged car with a tow vehicle, the car on the trailer. Um, and we're already racing rally crosses. I'm not going to count those entry fees cause you don't have to do that. So whatever, but they're like 80 bucks a weekend or something like that. Um, so we're at 20 grand right now. We have a caged car. Yeah. You got to get seats and harnesses. Um, you know, we'll say you want nice, comfortable, safe seats. So a thousand dollars a seat each, right. You get you know wing seats on uh, going to somewhat like a halo seat and yep, then with the, with so the say, head protection yeah two thousand dollars in seats a thousand dollars in harnesses so now we're at twenty three thousand and we have a cage vehicle with seats on a trailer with a tow vehicle um well now and you at, haven't you haven't done anything to the car yet but like why, that, that is, why should i it's, well that's an impressive. Um, I was going to say that's impressive. That's impressive breakdown of the budget. But so it's uh, like right there, you got a couple extra safety things for ARA versus hill climbing. Like you have to have a master cutoff switch. Um, um, fire suppression. You got, yeah. And so, right, ARA now requires a built in fire suppression. We can still get away with mounted extinguishers for 20 bucks each at a hardware store, right, for the hill climbs. So, yeah. And even some of the fire suppression systems aren't crazy expensive, like five, six hundred dollars. No, right. So maybe you know, give it a slough five thousand of safety features, which is a crazy high amount. But you know, you, we've seen that you know, especially a lot of rallies, the deciding factor in a lot of classes is just finishing the event, right? So there's yep. a chance that you just take that car I just described, a stock-ass car with some safety features, and you just putter around Rally Colorado, and you may end up winning the national version of your class, or at least the regional version of your class, right, just for finishing. Now, you're going to get bored of that, right? So we'll go back to the hill climbs, um, just because it's a little easier safety-wise to build for stuff. Um, go get a set of STI struts with stock STI springs like just a stock black STI spring on the STI, you know, cherry red um, strut. I don't know what those go for nowadays. The last time I bought a pair, they were like $400. Um, finding finding GD ones is going to be harder now because they're, well, old. Okay. Well, we'll go big, $1,000. You find sure. a well, well, the STI front shocks bolt onto the WRX hubs because you can, does that yes. limit you only to the 04? Yeah, 04, okay. yeah, 04 STI is what you need. So or, or STI suspension. So fuel fix perch would be a good option here because like they're about a thousand dollars. They would bolt up. 
and you can actually get like some adjustable valving and stuff done. Yeah. What I'm so looking like, for is reasonable. an inverted style strut because they're just that much stronger. And that's kind of your weak point there is bending sure. the shock shaft. Um, sure. Even before you start bending the strut gears on the rear, because that's in your suspension, your weakest point, even with expensive suspension on like a WRX um, or whatever, like the GD or Subaru style suspension before they went trailing link or before they went to the, whatever your suspension is called on your new cars, multi-link. Um, the weak point is because the strut is offset with the hub in the back as it bottoms out, it tries to twist the strut like that. Um, so that's always going to be a weak point. You have to kind of drive knowing. Oh, man. The internet said the STI nope. stuff. Oh, there is. Yeah. The, the, uh, the STI stuff is competitive. Like I won my first self-climbs championship on stock STI suspension. So it's fine. You know, yeah. run it. So I forget where we're at. 24,000 now with suspension. Yeah. Just another, car. another footnote to proof of concept here. Like, um, so Jeff Huser, when he was running his open lights car, gosh, would it be two years ago at this point? I mean, he was running a stock engine with like, gosh, it was like 150,000 miles on it. I mean, I think even Dave Brown, um, he had some nice motors, high mile. He, he had somebody started out running high mileage, just right. stock engines. And it basically in a motors suspension. too though. Right. Yeah, but even yeah, my WRX I first started, it had you know 120,000 miles on it, and a lot of that was SCCA rally cross time, and then I hill climbed on it, and I even did a rally or two on that motor as well. Yeah. Um, so this is this actually, is this is within reason. The first the first championship stock STI struts and a stage two 150,000 mile WRX two liter. Um, so it's not un unreasonable. I know. You start getting really hardcore you start like oil control issues come into play and stuff like that but it's the cost or the complexity starts to just cascade once you start adding a thing so don't even start yep. going up that slope right just stay here you'll still be competitive if you're really on your on your game as a driver you'll still be competitive maybe you know if i show up and i can hold my Hold my shit together through a weekend in my much more modified car. Yeah, in a turbo class, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably beat you. Um, but in an NA class, there are the the field is competing kind of at that level. There's there's competition at that level, so it's fulfilling. So it's worth mentioning. And from there, well, it's worth mentioning for the NA for the NA rally car rally class that you're describing. There there definitely would be an advantage in getting a GC chassis versus a GD chassis. Because the GC chassis are, I think they start off four to 500 pounds lighter when you get all right. the interior stuff out than the GD chassis. So you're going to be able to make a GC chassis much lighter it, it, at the, with the, the safety equipment and stuff that you're describing versus the right. GD chassis. And even so like, right, 04 STI stuff does bolt up. You got to play with top hats. Yep. So rear, rear know, top hats, the front, the fronts are, I think the same. The fronts right. are the same. So it's just the rears. You got to spend a couple, but you know, even those you can go get top heads used. I know they make group end stuff and they make rally inspired and, and race quality. You don't need that stuff. Go, you can run stock top hats for a season yep. um, before they really start to fail. Um, yep. So, so, well, yeah, so we're place. still on, go get some. So we're still on the, the rollover tires, right? Like the tires that the car rolled over on and that you did a season rally cross with. Sure. Right. So you can run, <laughs> run your, Okay, so I'll keep adding stuff here. Yep. Don't worry, I'm ready for this. Um, run OEM 15 inch wheels. You can go get them used. Yep. Um, if you don't want to look around, you can find them easily used for like 80 bucks a wheel. I used to find them for somewhere between zero and $20 back when I used to run them. So get them the OEM alloy. No, don't run steel because steel will fatigue and bend. Um, so run the OEM alloy 15 inch wheels. Um, get just a set of decent pads for your stock brake calipers, um, Porterfield R4, whatever Hawk 11, 27, 47B, whatever Hawk compound that is, or I don't know all the Hawk numbers. That's why yeah, it would be, it'd be a there. DTC 30, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. DTC yeah. Denver tech center. Yep. Um, Denver tech center pads. Yep. Right. Yeah. Whatever. So, so go get some decent pads. Um, find used rally tires, the, especially the GCs they want to run in the NA cars. Those much cheaper, like 165, 70 or 165, 65, 
uh, on a 15 rally tires and you can find those used. You got to look around, like join the Facebook groups, but I bet you find 120 bucks a set of four tires, 150 Take bucks. They're, they're okay. You know, they're not great. Um, but again, the limitation for the car will probably be your driving skill, not the tires at first. So you'll yeah. get the nice sidewall. You get the good rubber compound. They're nice and strong. So um, let's see for wheels and tires and brake pads. Let's go big. Let's estimate $1,000, which is too big. Okay. And get two sets. Get two sets of wheels and tires. And just time down on your 16-foot trailer. Throw them in the trunk of the rally car on the way of the race. Yep. Right. So, so 24000 Is that where I'm at now? All right, now hold on. So we, we've talked a lot about this process. Let because Scotty and Dusty talk beers. You let's let's kind of paint that picture a little bit. You want to start there, Scott? Hey, you guys are way more prepared for this than I am. I, they took it. I didn't even know we were really doing <laughs> until like really this morning. Um. Uh, no, well, you go ahead, Ryan. You're prepared. Well, so 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 Ryan and Scott just mindset wise with the brz like is your mindset to leave like power wise pretty much stock because a lot of the classes for the brz are not for heavily modified power cars is that is that kind of where you're coming like with the build i mean for me yeah bolt-ons um and another big reason too because i feel like the engine and transmission are like a weak point in those cars especially in the older ones like the ones that i'm looking at you know where mm -hmm. they have those um some of them had those like retainer failures and stuff. Right. But I think for me, trying to find a class that you could be mildly or at least nearly competitive in, um, and then having a car that, cause I've tried to avoid the tow, the tow vehicle route. So like for me, the, the BRZ gets 30 miles to the gallon when you're on pump gas. So oh, yeah. you can drive to the events on pump gas. And then I had a mindset up basically to run E85 at the, at the events. So, which it costs more money, not just in the E85, but in the complexity of the setup, because you have to have like the ethanol controller and the flex so fuel setup so that it's, yeah, so that it's safer to do it that way. But I mean, like uh, the delicious setup that they have, like the add on for everything to make flex fuel work where you don't have to change anything. You know, you just put the different fuel in It's It's like just under 600 bucks. And that's, and that's so, delicious tuning just to be, just yeah. to be clear. Yeah. It's, it's one of the yeah, main, main tuners for BRCs. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of like why that's kind of why I picked the BRZ. I mean, I wanted to stay Subaru a little bit. I think about, and a big part of it's because, I don't know why they're not more expensive. I mean, BMWs are insane how expensive they are. BMWs are heavy. BMWs are complex. You know, they can be faster, but the amount of money it takes to get there. I mean, I'm sure if you look at my Scott's bill versus the other uh, GTS cars we talk about, I'm sure Scott's still has half the money in his car that they have in theirs, you know. And so I felt like the BRZ is a good part to start out. And it's got long-term, like long-term, you know, I mean, people put VR motors in them out of Skylines. People put LS motors in them, you know, put EJs, obviously. I mean, a bunch of other weird stuff. But so I feel like in a short and a long-term ratio, the, the, for the price, I think the BRZ in a time attack or like a road course setting is really hard to beat. So that's, I mean, that's, with that platform, that's one of the interesting things about the BRZ is that. There, the aftermarket support of that platform is so big. Like, like you're saying, there's, there are kits to do a lot of things down the road. So like, if this is the first year of competing and you wanted to go bigger, yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of growth potential there. Now, I, I would argue in in Tasso's case with with like say a, an open light rally build, the potential is still there. You could still like, hey, I want to go open class and, and run a turbo engine. You could absolutely do that too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and it's worth saying too, you mentioned it. I stuck Subaru and kind of four wheel drive because it's what I am and kind of what we're all about here, but you could similarly, right. You know, you know, get a CRX or I don't know, a handshake and a high five maybe. Yep. And then you're going to burn through half as many tires and cut your costs down that way. Yeah. And there was, I don't think it ever made it to, to our NASA group, but there was for a while there, there was a big civic uh, class uh, like a, almost a spec civic class in NASA, uh, running wheel to wheel, kind of like your spec Miatas and 
kind of like what the GT86 got the, is trying to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, and that's kind of why, and the other part is, is like those cars have a lot in them from the get go that it doesn't cost a lot of money to make them like, you don't have to completely reinvent a car to make them competitive. So like take an EG Civic, right? If you bought, and I'm using that as an example, because I'm sure that's one of the cars that dominates. You take an EG Civic and you have to do a K-swap. You have to do, you know, different transmission. I mean, the complexity of what you have to change in like an older Honda, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot more effort and changing a lot more things to make it as competitive as like a lightly modified FRS. It could be more competitive, but what's to say you didn't put that same kind of effort into an FRS, how much more competitive it would be, you know? And that's in that TR class. <clears throat> well, then the other, the other factor too is competition. Like, how mm -hmm. big is the class? So, like, right now, like, Dussex, you've been right there in the scene, and, and Scott, you as well, you've seen how many people are now running these BRZs in either time trials class or in, in the wheel-to-wheel -wheel class as well. And there's some other, some other classes as well. Like, the idea of building a car and going out there to drive and working on getting faster stuff, that's fun. But, like, if you're going to be, especially if you're going to be running in a wheel-to-wheel -wheel class or, or, or competing, you, you don't want to be in a class by yourself. I mean, it's right. just like then, then you only have yourself to benchmark against, and so that makes it. It's that might work for some people. Some people might be perfectly fine with that. But if you really want to have a couple competitors that you're actually running up against and dicing, like the, the size of the field that you're building the car to compete in, would be something you factor into. For um, sure. How 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 viable? I mean, because because Dussex, you mentioned it. Like, how viable is it to? drive your race car to an event and then drive it back. Like, is this like, do we, do we say that that is viable? Uh, I think, I think if the car's not too complex, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nick Stinnerford did it with an S2000 and I think they're a lot weaker than BRZs in a lot of ways. I mean, they have like massive suspension failures that happen on them. You see them happen like almost at every event, there's an S2000 that, and we've seen Nick do it two or three times, but they have like rear hubs break in. And, um, but I mean, he drove all over the country and, and that car is a little bit more compact than the BRZ, I would say less comfortable. And, um, and there are people who do that, who they might not travel as far as say Nick has traveled, but I think as far as like what you can cram in a BRZ, I, I mean, you can get a lot in there. I mean, some of these dudes go into these GT86s are bringing whole sets of wheels, whole sets of tires, everything, plus like a 10 by 10 canopy inside their brzs like it's crazy with these with what you can fit in them so i think if you um i think with a little bit a little bit of like thought i think driving across the country with it um wouldn't be that hard i do know that from, and this is from Jeanette's experience she had like a she took like a tire trailer with her and those they cut her gas mileage down like she went from like 31 32 miles a gallon down to like 24 so there are parts of that car that are really sensitive to um, auxiliary stuff. So the more you can get in the car, the more I think financially responsible it is. Now, if you're trying to take two people, I mean, that's obviously going to change things too, you know, but I've seen, I think it's definitely doable to, to drive across the country. I mean, and hit some of these events and, um, and do it in a car like that. And I would rather do that in, in a car like that than in an EG Civic too. I mean, Mm -hmm. A competitive EG Civic is like a fucking tin can. You know, you're not going to have anything. Yeah. <laughs> you're barely going to have air conditioning. You'll have heat, and that's probably it, you know. And who knows how well that's going to work when you basically yeah. take – skip two generations of en engines to make it competitive, you know. Well, and it's, it's – I would say that I, I think for road racing, it's viable. I mean, because we, mm -hmm. we know people that have done it. it it's viable. It's, yeah. it's maybe – like you've got to keep the power really low so that you're not going to like the, the chances of, of breaking something drivetrain related is, is, is little as possible, but it, but it's viable. I think for rally or rally cross, it's possible. I, I've known plenty of people that have done it in rally cross, but I think for actually stage rally, it's the, just the risk to the car is too great. I think you really need a, a trailer and a tow vehicle. It could be done. But like, no, it's, yeah, it's been done. Um, you, you hit a you hit a boulder though, 
and on stage and now you're you're yeah. you're there's always you're a chance there's yeah but a i chance mean of wrecking the car there's a chance of wrecking the car anywhere right cars have rolled right. over at rally cross events um cars have probably rolled at autocross i'm guessing so let's um, let's just say that it's viable but maybe not advised to to drive yeah, cars i mean i think if you got a wagon so when i was rally crossing. It's not. He really's trying to sell it. <laughs> you know, Wagons. Even, you can put I all gave sorts of ten thousand dollars for a tow vehicle budget in my thing too. Yeah. That's that's Gucci, right? I mean, yeah. Um, but get a AAA membership and uh, and go do it in your wagon. Is uh, and so I have a, a sedan. And when I was racing rally cross locally, no problem, right? But even like going over to the Western Slope for a national challenge one time um, in Grand Junction, it's like a four and a half hour drive or whatever. I had my street tires. I had my, you know, gravel tires. I had a full jack, full like floor jack toolkit, um, you know, bags for me, you know, some spares for the car, you know, all that stuff just in the car. Um, uh, yeah. And it was fine. You know, and it's well, you know, not, not, not a very long drive, but there was nothing about that drive that said I couldn't have made it, um, you know, further. And I had failures at the event, too. And to some extent, you can overcome small. I had a power steering line go just from vibration. So I, I have a belt that bypasses the power steering pump on an EJ. So it's just running the crank and the alternator. And I just drove home with manual steering after that. I lost some teeth in the rediff on that at that event. Wow. Um, but, you know, I drained out the chunks of teeth and just went ahead and drove it home. Um, and it was fine. So, you know, it's, it's well, what you're tolerant. It was, it was really chunked out. Like the, the course got railroaded. And so it was like the whole way through. And it's a stock viscous limited slip. So it only has two spider gears. Yeah. So I was breaking teeth off of spider gears, which was, I went through that was dumb. It was, Man, but I was also necessity, as they say, turbo power and trying to buy for wins in a right. turbo class as opposed to, you know, race for attrition in an NA class and rally too. So, but I know folks, especially with wagons, you know, yeah. and you have a, you throw your co driver and if you have headsets, which are great, um, then, you know, the noise isn't even that big a deal. They're kind of not really legal on the right. road. You know, right. technically you're not supposed to wear headphones when you're driving down the road, but you're also not supposed to drive on rally tires. And I happen to know medium and hard compound rally tires, they last a long time on the road because you're not putting any heat in them, you know? Right. So I used to daily my race car, even after it was caged and I wouldn't switch the gravel tires off. I would just, you know, come home from an event, unload it from the trailer, park my sketchy ass pickup in the backyard um you know take some of the race gear out of the car make sure the oil is good and then drive it to work the next morning so you know it's it's what your tolerance is you can absolutely do that stuff it's what your tolerance is and all of us have come through that scumbag phase of you know racing at some point right like it's that's an i think it's an important step well it's it is um, because it's it's where the the desire to compete the desire to get out there do it is that is that is the deciding factor. It's like, okay, well, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm gonna have to do without that. But I'm gonna do it so I can get out there and, and do what I want to do. Right. But so I I absolutely know folks, and it looks like a great program if you're not going out there to go for overall or open class wins. And you're just you're going out there for a regional NA four wheel drive competition. Yeah, get a get a GC wagon. Throw your spares in the back keep that thing running 85 or 87 octane, whatever is available in your area. Um, run used tires, put a skid plate on it and don't hit boulders. Have, have a triple A membership, go get it. Well, and, and one of the, well, and so just as a quick footnote back to driving to the events, I just want to say, so Scott, you, you drove your STI to a lot of NASA events with spare set of wheels and tires and tools in the STI. And of course, it's like I'm going to him. He's he's frozen. He's freaking. Yeah, he's today. asleep. But he, so he did do that. But that so I mean that may that that's just another footnote of making that viable. Um, another point to what you just said, Thomas, that I think is worth mentioning is that there there's a there's a there's a value in figuring out that you really want to do this. It's like having having all of these really 
I don't know, like budget conscious choices that you're making so you can go out there and actually do this, like in, in, a, in a lower powered car, et cetera. There's a really advantage in doing that for your first season because you're going to find out, okay, do I really like this? Is this really what I want to do, what I, what I want to spend this, this time and energy doing? Because then once you know that, then, then you can decide, okay, well, I've made this much of an investment and I know that this is, this is really what I want to do. Now, do you want to take it to another level? Do you want to re, reevaluate the build? Do you want to reevaluate your, your target, the, the class that you're going to compete in? That's really Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's budgetable too. Um, like it, that same GC cheap salvage title car, right? You go put, you take that car once you're you know done running NA and you maybe you saved up for a year or two more or you have enough you know points to um, you know advance with the ARA and their classing system and stuff like that and uh, and maybe you go spend five grand on a motor five grand on a six speed swap and um, five grand on suspension and now you have a competitive I don't know if they have like a limited all wheel drive class outfit or an open class right. And, yeah. Yeah, maybe you're not going to take down Travis Estrada um, or some of the R5 cars that come kicking around, but that's not, you know, no one is unless you're coming from that from that good good money. Um, yeah, yeah, and, you know, and really, I mean, like to try and compete in an open or an unlimited class, I mean, oh man, right, you're, you're up against some massive competition. So, like, right. that's that is something that you really have to give some serious thought to if that's right. if that's what you want to. But that's but that's you know more than the budget that I have into my open class hill climb car, you know, race and championship winning car as it is. Right. And there's a lot, you know, five grand for a motor. People are thinking of themselves like, well, IAG sells them for a 400,000. Why is your motor only, you know, five grand? It's like, well, it's not a billet block and I'm not having someone else put it together. Right. My buddy and I built my motors. And so that saves a lot of money. Um, I've talked about this before when I have to build a motor, I go on Facebook marketplace and buy all the used short blocks I can find. And inevitably some of them come with some good aftermarket parts. You know, I spend $200 buying used blown up short blocks with, you know, bad bearings or scored cylinder walls or something like that. Right. That's where I found distance. That's where I found the last set of my forged (laughs) pistons and I found a good crank in another one. And then I I had to splurge for some rods, but you know, whatever. Um, then I had a, another block that was good that it all worked out and, you know, I developed a relationship with the machine shop to get that stuff done, you know, affordably. And, yeah. um, and so then, you know, it, well, yes, so there, it's, it's not going to be a plug and play 800 horsepower motor. Right. But you can put a little work in and have a motor that has some quirks and shortcomings, but you can overcome it. Um, that makes 400 yeah. horsepower. So, and that's, so I want to, I want to throw out another observation here, which is like, again, what kind of what I mentioned at the beginning, this is, this is a large sum of money that we kind of started playing with imaginarily here, but it's interesting that the class that we've all picked is something where it is basically a spec class where power is going to be limited, power is limited or you cannot really build power. And so it's worth mentioning that like, even with this like imaginary large sum of money, like, the classes that pretty much all have gravitated towards is all still a spec class. And I, I would say that the, the feeling I have for that is because then you have a chance of being competitive and you're not going to be up against somebody that's making double the power that you're making where all of a sudden you're just, you're not competitive because they've just gone way further than you can. Yeah. Their budget was bigger than 50,000. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. You avoid, you avoid the classes where you buy championships. Right. Right. So. Well, as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hill climbs where it's like, if you're picking a series to run, I mean, looking at the rule set is, is really worth like looking at the rule set and it, the better the sense you can have of what people are doing in that rule set and the cars that they're running, the, the better off you're going to be in, in hopefully picking the right place and, and, and building your car, right. putting your car in the class where you want to be. Yeah. We're, we're exposed by our rule set right now. It allows a bunch of, you know, scumbag innovation from guys like me. Um, but somebody could come in with a $2 million budget and literally mop us up. Um, you know, so we are a little exposed by our, our open rule set. 
um, at the moment it's not happening. But yeah, generally a controlled rule set in a class that doesn't have like national payouts um, is going to be the cheap way to do it. Because yep. once you get national payouts, then someone is going to be willing to lose $100,000 on winning that class that year because he's going to make $2,000 back. So, yeah. So there's there's one other point that I would make that, that I just I just realized as we were just having this conversation, which is we all pick Subarus. And, and I picked what I a Toyota. Say is, you picked a Toyota? Oh, that's fair. Well, what I was going to say is you go to what you know. You know, we all picked what we picked because we have a familiarity with it. You, 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 like you, you have this knowledge of like, well, if I can get this platform, it will cost, like, it'll cost me this, you know, like you, you know where the weaknesses are, you know, what needs to be addressed, you know, and if you're getting into a series, like kind of taking a moment to think about, okay, well, what, like, what platforms am I really familiar with? What have I driven? What do I know? What do I know that? What, what platform do I know that has strengths and weaknesses? Like if you kind of come into it from a point of, of a known quantity car or known quantity chassis, that can be a big advantage so that you, you know what, like, you know what the issues are. You can actually keep the car running. You know what really needs to be addressed versus kind of going into something blind. Like there's, I, I mean, I haven't talked a whole lot, but like there's, there's a, there's a minute there because we've looked at uh like V8 M3s, because they're reasonable. Like they're about half this budget, like 25, 27, 28. I mean, with the used car market right now, it's a little bit like it's skewed, but like for 25 to $20,000, you could get like a higher mileage V8 M3, which is kind of the bane of Scotty's existence in, in, in time trials right now. It's like, well, do you, do you make that leap? And, and I, I, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, I don't, I don't know the platform. I don't know what the issues are. I, I have a BMW and I'm aware that like a lot of things, like if they fail, there's, it's more expensive to deal with than a Subaru is. Like a Subaru is a lot more cost-effective to deal with issues than, than a lot of these, these German cars. So like, I, I kind of thought about it. I went a little bit down that path. I'm like, I, there's just too much that I'm not comfortable with. I'm not familiar enough with. So I'm going to go back to the platform that I know, I know what I'm getting into. So what, what do you guys think about that? I think another part of it too is like, even though this budget sounds like it's a lot, um, the Subaru kind of hits a mark where like it's, it's in a good middle ground for a budget like this. Like, could you build a Honda for cheaper than you could build an FRS that would be competitive? I think so. Or like a Celica or something. Um, but like, if you have the budget, like why not? I think they're more fun. Like there's a playfulness and then you get to like the BMW, like, well, could you like buy like something like right up to the limit of what you're willing to spend for a budget and then just hope nothing happens? Like did right. you get that issue with like a BMW or a Cayman or a Boxster? And now you're kind of like, well, I mean, like, if anything goes wrong, like I'm not going to get to race this year. So I, I think like in addition of going with what we know, I do think that Subaru does it like their vehicles strike a good middle ground for what's available out there to compete in. And, and like the flexibility, like you, yeah. you could, you could build a car like Tasso, you, you have a, a car that is purpose built to run on dirt and gravel, rough conditions, but you took it and you still drove it at, at a, a road course at high plains and had fun with it and was still pretty darn quick. Your platform, if you wanted to, if you, if you, if you tried rally cross or, or hill climbs and like, you know what, this dirt thing, it's just not for me. You have a platform you could then move to okay now now let's set it up for tarmac yeah you could you could do that they're they're very they're very adaptable they're very malleable even even the frs like there are actually people now that are building these cars as rally cars i mean nameless performance oh, yeah. has run it for a long time one of our guys <laughs> tim whitberg has been running his his uh, uh brz as a rally car for for a number of years um geez uh steve from salted the guys from salted now have a brz rally car so like all of yeah, a sudden, Scott like, McCarty. Scott yeah. McCarty built his out of a salvage title too. It was yeah. cheap. He had to do work. He had to replace the sheet metal on one corner. Um, but it's but it's but, but I would get the, I would guess that his car right now fits our bill pretty comfortably. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And he's in a competitive open two wheel drive car. Yeah. So and and like you, if you're talking about a Civic or 
like a BMW, like they, those aren't as flexible for application necessarily. Um, I think it could be could certainly be done, but it's just it's it's not as inherently flexible as the Subaru platform is to to, to the mm -hmm. different disciplines like that. I think uh, um, Subaru and the older BMWs and Hondas all do a really good job with um, like cross compatibility, like the things that you can put into them and like kind of how, like kind of like Legos where you can put them together. Like if you have an E30 or an E36 or an E46, those engines all kind of go into each other. And all a lot of those parts are like, oh, I've got an E36, but I, I want a limited slip. Oh, look, the M3 came with limited slip. Let me just find a use one of those. Where Civics are like, well, like, what's the current motor right now? Oh, they're putting turbocharged KC, K20C1s. I want to put that in my EG Civic. Like those, I think like of all the manufacturers I can think of, at least that I will call import because I'm sure Chevrolet's like that, but um, they do a really good job. They've done a really good job or the enthusiasts have done a really good job on really painting a, a real easy landscape to modify those cars and just make them so cross compatible. Like, do you want your, you can have a legacy that's rear wheel drive. You can have a legacy that's all wheel drive. You can have a legacy with a V6 in it. You have a legacy with a NA single cam slammer in it. You can have a, a legacy with, you know, a billet IAG, you know, thousand horsepower setup in it. I mean, like, and that's just all Subaru stuff. Yeah. You know, so, I mean. But it, it brings up something that we've all touched on here and something we've talked about in the past on this podcast and with each other is that one of the best things you can do and it's free is to get in with a community that is doing this kind of stuff, right? Like it's, it's saving us 50 to a hundred thousand dollars worth of value just to have this information on the front side of stuff that we all know. And so, you know, be a good person, come in, be humble, offer to help. Um, and that's going to get you in and get you in good standing with, you know, a group yeah. like the Flatirons community or, or, or like the, the Rallyville community. community and those guys. Um, Hill Climb community. Yeah. Like the Hill Climb community. Cause it's, and then it's not only information, you know, like a person like me now, is like, you know, a couple of years into it, I have a stack of parts that are takeoffs or whatever, just sitting in the attic of my garage. And if you're like, hey, man, I, I'm having like a lot of trouble coming up with whatever brake discs that fit my application. I'm like, oh, I got a stack of ones. They're a little rusty, but, you know, that's just yeah, bedding yeah. compound for like the working man's bedding compound, which is a little bit of FEO, too. Yeah. So, you know, it's, a, you know, it's, it's invaluable. to. It's the only reason all of our builds work that we're describing right now um, is because of that kind of community uh, community information. Yeah. Well, and getting involved in the community, I mean, it's like even going to a few events, and like watching what people are running, like generally it is not a good starting starting point to look at like, okay, well, look at this class and, and they're all, everybody's running either BMWs or, or FRS is interesting. Okay, well, I'm going to pick an old Saab that I don't see anybody running. Like that's, that's what I'm going to, I'm going to build because I just like old Saabs for, for some reason. Like generally kind of trying to reinvent the wheel is not a good place to start. All right. Because um, yeah. a lot of times if there's nobody running those cars, there's, there's a reason. And it's something I'm also trying not to touch on here because it's too easy is you could buy a used car. You don't have you, to build used one. car built to the class for sure. <laughs> yeah. You could buy yeah. a used open light car for seven grand. Probably. Oh yeah. So. Well, and that's totally valid. That's totally valid. Yeah. And then that's, then you're in. You buy oh, a used open light car and then buy the spares package that comes with it and just go drive to events. And now you're racing ARA rally, buy some safety gear, you know, spend $500 each on safety gear and get the cheap safe craft stuff or whatever. Yeah. And then, and now you're racing for 10 grand on the national level. Man, so, it, like for, for that's something too easy. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to uh, cheat and take the shortcut on this. Well, all 69 listeners of ours will uh, go out and buy all 10 that are available in the country. Yeah, all two, all two or three. Yeah. yeah. yeah Look at, looking at the used market, I mean, that that is for anything that you want to do, that's always a great place yeah. to start because, man, getting spares and, and having a, a car that is like it's somewhat sorted, that's that's not a bad that's not a bad. Somebody option. wants to buy my car and a spares package and wants to pay me 50 grand, shit. 
Like, <laughs> hell yeah. All right. See? You, you can even, right. yeah, you, if, if you don't find what you're looking for, just go to an event and just start start talking to people. Yeah, if you show up with yeah, there you go. in your hand at Temple Canyon where I broke down, and you're like, hey, man, or even give yourself, give 40 grand, give yourself 10 grand to put it on a transmission on my broken ass car, and you threw 40 grand in my face at Temple Canyon last year. I mean, I would have taken you out for dinner also. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Like, Return that investment. <laughs> yeah. Man. Well, well, as we're winding down, is there anything else, any other like key decision factors or, or key thoughts that you guys had as you're kind of thinking about this question or this problem that we haven't touched on yet? Always I mean, budget more. Sorry, <laughs> I, know I've been, I know I've been talking a lot. And we're making these sweet budgets. The reality is when I make one of these budgets in real life where I count for time, I double the time and double the budget at least to get it done. And that's where my starting point. And then, you know, my wife is still like, yeah, sounds good. So 10 times, does that sound better? Oh, no. So, well, but, but so, right. You know, we're having fun having this conversation. It is hard work. Um, and you're going to blow your budget no matter how good you try to stick to it, but it's still doable. Just go do it. I think uh, um, I think something that people need to take into consideration is half half of the reason this budget thing, this conversation is coming up, is because you want to go and race or go and drive. So don't blow your whole budget on building the car of your dreams, and then be at the end of your budget and can't afford to go to an event. So I think mm-hmm. we say that a lot of times and I see people get caught in that thirst trap all the time where they're like, I have to have this thing and this thing and this thing before I go yeah. out. And, yeah. and if you were in that, in this lovely position where you could, you know, like I have 50 grand to do, let's see what they think. I definitely like try and get it done for what you have to do and then enjoy driving it. And just like if, if half your budget was spent driving it, shit, that would be, I mean, awesome. You that, know, that's that's the goal, right? Is you, you do yeah. all this work so you can go out there and drive the, the car. You, you can go out there and, yeah. and do the thing, and have those experiences and meet those people and go to those tracks that you've always wanted to go to, and and you know, because the experience is worth way more than fifty grand. You know, mm-hmm. and um, it's an yeah. intangible, oh yeah, uh, an intangible feeling. So almost I to build on that. Th- oh, go ahead, Scott. I was going to say the overall goal is just to find somebody to give us all fifty thousand dollars each, so we can do this. Oof, that's I'm, a tough I one. mean, yeah. There you go. Well, what I was going to say is, there's there's an advantage, especially if you're coming into it with no experience. There's an advantage in finding something to do with your car that doesn't involve pulling out the whole interior, putting in a cage, because once, once you put a cage into a car, it's now a race car. And like that, that changes what you can do with it. Like if, if this is, if you like, there's so many people that we've talked to over the years that like they have a, a WRX or an STI, they love the car. They just want to do something with it. Like find something that you can do with it, with like the minimal amount of change, you know, kind of like even, even just running out with NASA or doing, doing some of the time trial series where you don't have to put a ton of, energy into the car you can just go out there and do the event and compete or or just drive because you almost need to find what you like to do and find out that you really do like to go out there and drive the car like that's that's the first piece of the puzzle because like i mean i remember sorry our second rally chassis was a was a car that somebody it was it was a they they got the they got the car they did the whole build on the car They, they Stripped it, turned it into a rally car, bought all the wheels, the tires, the spares, and all this sort of stuff. They went out, they ran five events. They're like, I'm done with this and I'm out. And, and then they, they sold it to us for like pennies on the dollar because we had, we had rolled our car. But like, that's, that's kind of your worst case scenario with, with going down a path like this is like, like almost starting as, as we described starting, we're like, okay, I'm going to go buy a car, I'm going to go buy a trailer, I'm going to go buy a tow vehicle going to modify the car. I'm going to go out there and do it. And you do. And you're like, I don't like this. I hate this. You know, I don't want to do this mm-hmm. anymore. And it's like, well, you've just, just put all of that energy in this direction. And now you're going to completely change up, like go out there and, and do something and find what you like first before you then even decide that, like, I want to compete. I want to do something with a car that even requires a cage. You know, that's, that's, mm-hmm. 
there are a lot of opportunities I, to get involved for free and it helps yeah. you with that process too, right? Like there's no, there's almost no rally team um, that wouldn't take an extra set of hands checking sure. lug nuts and tire pressures at each service, right? So get on the Facebook groups, say, hey, looking at getting into this. Everyone's going to say, well, come volunteer and see if you like it. And you're like, yeah, I know. I got that advice already. Who needs my volunteer help? And then you'll hook up with somebody and then you'll find out if you like the community, if you like the event, if you like the places you're going, right? You know, it's, it's the things you don't think about. Like, you know, um, there are some places I don't like the races, not because the race is bad, but because I just think it's a lame part of the, the country to be in for doing that race. I'm like, well, okay. But, you know, this or, place or- isn't pretty. Or There's no good coffee shops here. So what am I doing here? Yeah. So, so drive time is too much. Like I, I don't yeah, have three right. days each way to drive to an event. Maybe. Yeah. And so there's places you can get involved for free. And that also still starts building that community that we've talked about a few times. That's so important. Yeah. So. Sorry, right. I cut you off for like the 20th time, Ryan. It's okay. <laughs> well, as we're wrapping up, any other, any other thoughts? What did you guys want to throw out there? No, no, we're all happy to help. Yep, if you've got questions, ask and, and, and reach out to us. Put something in the comments below, shoot us an email, what, what have you, and certainly yeah. do our best to, to answer any questions that you might have. And, and, uh, and, and keep an eye on us. We, we all have something in mind for 2022. Something it might not be great, but it's, but it's something. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's going to be great. All it's going to be a good year. It's going to be so good. I can't wait. Perfect. Well, it, it, I think that's as good a place to stop as any. So I will, I will once again, thank everybody for listening. Thanks for sticking with us to the end. Greatly appreciate that. Appreciate your support as always. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess one other thing I will, I will throw out there is if, if you like the content we're putting out, like what we're talking about, be, feel free to suggest topics. Uh, you know, we've, we've started doing that a little bit, but also tell a friend. Uh, you know, if you, if you like this, you know, pass it on, uh, you know, anything we can do to kind of get, get more, uh, get more people uh, interested in, in doing this kind of thing, interested in motorsports or even just following what we're doing and talking about that is, that is greatly appreciated. So with that, I will say, you know, thanks again. And until next time, as always, stay tuned with Flatiron's Tune. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. Once again, we'd like to let you know that your support is what makes this show possible. Be sure to check out our online store at flatironstuning.com for any of your aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts needs. And as always, stay tuned with Flatiron's Tuning.